All right, everybody. Uncle Dad here, and welcome to Fan Expo Day One. This is the intro, but this is a very special intro, isn't that right, Mike? Very special. Because this is the first time ever we're going to kick off the show right away, and you're going to you're going to open unopen something, open something. What is that? What am I saying? I'm going to open something. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to open something. Yes. You're not going to eat something. You're going to open something. How do you feel about that? I'm not going to eat something. I'm not going to unopen something. I'm going to open something. Good. And what other th- what other way to start off than a Uncle Dad alumni? He was on our Designer Con episode. Give it up for Andrew Heath. Andrew Heath, say hello again. Hey, how's it going? What a what a fun chance to run I into know, you. Right, right. No, you turned the corner. I was like, hey. So yeah, <laughs> super cool to see you guys. We got to do an unboxing together or opening together, however you want to say it. An opening. An opening. Yes. <laughs> and I want to do one with him to kick off the show and really fast before he opens it. Where can our audience find your great product and what is your great product? Our great product is Frozen Culture Mystery Vinyl Figures, and you can find them at andrew-heath.com. And we got sev- got several series, and I think you guys are going to check out the Classic Monsters series. We do love Classic Monsters, isn't that right, Mike? I like a couple of Classic Monsters. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, which one do you hope you get? Well, I think this one. You know what we need? Always yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so he's going to open it. Hopefully it's not one we already have. <laughs> Tearing the package. And, 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 uh-oh, I think it's a new one. Oh. Is it a new one? It is a new one. We don't have that one. And who did he get? Andrew. It is the sexy vampiris, lady vampire. <laughs> oh. I was going to say vampire lady, but va- lady vampire is good too. Yeah. <laughs> what a great way to start the show. You're, you're opening stuff where it's like Christmas, except I got to pay for it. So that's okay. Well, Consider it my birthday present. <laughs> yes, if you consider that your gift, exactly. Well, can we also get Andrew to sign that as well? Yeah, I can sign it, no problem. Awesome. Well, welcome to Comic Con, or it's not Comic Con. Welcome to Fan Expo New Orleans. We're hanging out. We're going to have a great time. We had to kick it off with something special. And be sure to check out Andrew Heath. He is a super funny man. He loves desserts. And I think his favorite dessert last time he told me was cake. Yes. Although, last night we ate at Antoine's in town and had baked Alaska. Best dessert I've ever had. It was so good. It was hauntingly good. <laughs> that baked Alaska is crazy there. But since this weekend is when they start Mardi Gras season, you can get king cake. So get, I don't know if you've already had it before, but get some king cake. Where at? Rec- recommendations? You can get it from the Rouse's supermarket. There, There's a couple of those around. There's If you just Google like best king cake New Orleans, there's a, like a handful of that will come up. Good t- We do like desserts here. So get that dessert, (laughs) get his awesome stuff, and we'll be right back with a fun-filled weekend of Fan Expo New Orleans. This episode is brought to you by Skyline Smart Energy. It's a new year, which unfortunately means that your electric bill has increased. PG&E is now California's most expensive power provider, and they're already looking to increase rates again this year. If you're looking to save hundreds of dollars each year on your electric bill, then call Skyline Smart Energy today. By going solar with Skyline, you can lock in a consistent energy rate that is lower than what you're paying for now. You'll know exactly how much you'll be paying for for the next 25 years, and you'll no longer have to worry about seasonal rate changes. Plus, right now, Skyline is offering a free year of Brinks Home Security when you get solar installed today. Not only will you save each money next month, but you'll also be able to secure your family and your home. So do yourself a favor and call or text 209-573-0589. Again, that number is 209-573-0589 
to get a free energy savings consultation. Start your path to energy independence today. Skyline Smart Energy. Take control over rising energy costs. All right, everybody, this is Uncle Dad, and we're hanging out, just kind of getting a lay of the land, if you will. Mike, or just Mike, however you want me to call you. However you want me to report to you, sir. Well, you call me Mike, but I think I have to refer to myself as just Mike when you introduce yourself as Uncle Dad. Oh, I like it. So I'm Uncle Dad, and I am with me, as always, is... I'm just Mike. <laughs> there we go. I love it. See, we got it down. Okay, so we're going to see about some interviews. I'm hoping that we could talk to some legends like Peter Weller, who was RoboCop. Do you like RoboCop? I like RoboCop. What's your favorite RoboCop movie? The first one. That's it? That's all. <laughs> That's all I need, right? So, I actually liked RoboCop 2. I know a lot of people will get mad about that. <laughs> and I kind of dug the TV show. <laughs> I like RoboCop 3. Which one was that one? The third one. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> also, it'd be cool to talk to legends such as uh, Julia Lewis, but I, I don't think that'll probably happen. But if we did talk to her, what's your favorite movie by her? Matchborn Killers. Such a great movie, dude. It's, it is a great movie. Woody Harrelson's obviously great in it. She's great in it. They're great together. They have that scene where they're in Taos and he throws the thing off the bridge over the gorge. And I've been to that gorge and got stuck down there. In, in the dark with no light. You did. Me and uh, my friend Brandon. The Brandon. Brandon Bracamonte. Yes, <laughs> we, we got stuck down in the bottom of that gorge. So it holds a special place in my heart. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. You, you two and your adventures. I saw. <laughs> uh, that's one day we should just do an episode of just you and him reliving the past. What do you think about that? <laughs> well, I think there's like five people that might want to hear that, but yeah, sure. <laughs> hey, man, at the end of the day, this will always live on, right? So your story will be there for someone to hear. Uh, but yeah, well, so we're here hanging out. Mike got to open up his beautiful little treat, his little, his little uh, fake popsicle, which I think you love. Yes. It's fake. Yeah, you, you're not supposed to eat it. <laughs> well, don't sue Andrew because he told me I couldn't sue him either. So there you go. Well, and congratulations to him for doing the the licensing with Care Bears and Ron English and whoever else was over there. Yeah. Mad Balls. Mad Balls. That's right. Mad. I love Mad Balls. Yeah. All right, everybody. We'll be right back after this break, and hopefully, we'll have some fun interviews for you all. And if we don't, we got some fun stuff coming throughout this entire weekend. All right, so we are sitting here or standing here with Edward Furlong. I watched Terminator 2 was was obviously for anyone in, in my generation a huge movie and you were the coolest kid ever. I th I assume we're around the same age, but how how old were you when you filmed Terminator 2? I was 13. Yeah. I was 13. Uh yeah, just turned 13 days but yeah. And and so that character that you played was such a cool character. How that influenced like your you as a regular thirteen year old kid in in real life? It changed everything, man. I, uh, you know, I my I wasn't an actor. I wasn't anything. I I wasn't. I was just basically discovered at a boys' club, and it changed my whole life, man. <laughs> you know, overnight, overnight. Yeah. So, I mean, I and I think it changed it for the better, man. I I really do like. I don't know what else I would have done because, I mean, I was very lucky to kind of fall into something that I love at such a young age, you know? But, yeah. Yeah, like, that watching that movie and, like, the scenes are so intense. And you have Arnold, you know, the Terminator, he's helping you. But, like, the way that you you hold it all together, 
me as someone who is probably about the same age as you when you made that movie, like I totally resonated with you as that character. Do you feel like part of that character was you? Like how much of your actual personality did you bring into 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 that John, young John Connor? Oh man. I would like to believe that I was that cool as as a as a 13-year-old kid, but you know, I mean, look, there was a lot, you know, they 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 brought me in obviously because I was they wanted like a real kid, you know, not an actor or anything. So, you know, I I brought a lot of me to the role. But and then a lot of it is just Jim Cameron, man, and slick editing, great dialogue, and and just making me look way cooler than I was at thirteen, you know. But yeah, yeah, definitely had a cool look. And 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 so we're here in New Orleans. And I'm, do you do do you get to enjoy New Orleans while you're here at all? Do you get to go down in the French Quarter or anything like that? I will I will actually. I you know I have some friends out here, and and I always love coming out to New Orleans. So yeah, it's it's great. I will. Right on, right on. Well, maybe we'll see you on Frenchman Street. All right, Eddie, thanks so much, man, for talking to us. Yeah, peace and love. Uncle Dad's here, hanging out with Sarah. <laughs> not a Chetty. Not a Chetty? Not a Chetty. That's a fun word to say. Not a Chetty, not right? Sarah, not a Chetty, you are famously the voice of Ash Ketchum currently. And I have to ask you, when you switched over, when you got this role, right, how, how daunting was that to get this role? The show was already entering season nine, so it was definitely, I had large shoes to fill, and uh, it was my first big job, so it was very daunting, and I I knew I didn't have the job until it actually made it to television, so I I approached Mm -hmm. it as like, this is is just a fun thing I get to do right now. What was the, uh, what do you say, like, when you were getting into, like, that headspace of being Ash Ketchum, what do you think the biggest challenge was? You know, I I can't say that I've found it too challenging to do the performance because I'm so kid-like and at that point I was 18 years old so I that was really fresh in my mind just being a kid and he was just like this adventurous tenacious kid and that's exactly what I was so it, it wasn't too far of a departure from who I am naturally isn't that great that you just get a role you're like hey you know what? I'm basically Ash Ketchum I would I want to say that in my life that I'm basically Ash I'm going to be the Ash Ketchum of podcasting can I do can I do that yeah, if you work hard enough, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I got to get better at that, I think. <laughs> uh, but you know what's funny? My fa- One of my favorite roles that you did is probably one of the most unconventional ones. Is I actually love the fact that you're the voices of the mini marshmallow men in, in oh my God, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yes. <laughs> uh, so when you did that, I have to, my thing, what was that like getting that call to be a part of that film? Did you know? Oh my goodness, that was such a surprise. It was a total surprise. It was a group of us actors and I did it from home because it was during the pandemic. And I yeah, I didn't get to see anybody else. We didn't get to all, you know, together. But I was very surprising to get that call and really really fun to do. Yeah, it was so fun. And honestly, it's like the it's probably the, my highlight of that movie. It really, it's such a fun thing. So, I just had I just had to tell you how much I love that. So, I don't want to take too much of your time, but thank you so much. And can I just ask you where can our audience connect with you? Uh, online and stuff. Anywhere you exist on social media, I'm right there with you at Sarah Natacheni, absolutely everywhere. <laughs> that easy, that easy. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Hi, everybody. Uncle Dad here hanging out with probably one of the most legendary voices in, in television for children. Let's give it up for Kathleen Herles. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. <laughs> and you might recognize this voice. Hi, I'm Dora the Explorer. My heart, my heart just fell through the roof right now or through the floor. I can't even talk. Wow. 
that voice meant the world to me growing up. And it's actually a good way how the reason why I want to talk to you is because your show did so much for my childhood growing up because it allowed me to connect with my sister in a very uh, unique way because my, my sister and I are 10 years apart. And so when I was growing up, we didn't really have a lot of ways to kind of find connection. Yeah. But she loved the idea of watching the show together because we were able to kind of play the game yeah. together. Yeah. And so we on an adventure together. Exactly, exactly. So what I'm curious to learn, like when you have when you went into this role, did you kind of know like, okay, we got a magical thing here? Or do you just kind of think, oh, this is just another acting experience? What did you think? So I was cast when I was seven years old I and mean, the show aired when I was 10. So and now looking back on it as an adult, I did not know <laughs> the magnitude or like how important and how impactful the show was and my voice was. So but I, I mean, I understand it. I meet so many people like being at these cons and hearing stories like yours, like they, the memories that they have watching the show. It's really impactful for sure. And it's crazy because you, you wouldn't think such a, you know, it's a very simple idea at its core, right? But it connects people in so many ways, you know? I mean, to help teach my sister Spanish, and I think in some respects, it's one of the starting points that wanted her to be in Hollywood. My sister actually works in Hollywood now. Yeah. And so it's one of those just crazy factors that, that these characters can bring such life to us inside. And also representation. That's a big thing, too. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm curious about that, you know, was that... Was that a scary feeling being like one of the only Hispanic characters on television? Yeah, you know, for sure. So my parents are immigrants from Peru. I was born in New York. I grew up here. And, you know, my Spanish was it was good. I, I always spoke with my grandmother, but it wasn't 100 percent like I didn't have that accent like, you know, some other people did. So I did feel self-conscious sometimes, like, you know, being the voice of this Latina heroine, like, you know, this leader for children's programming at the time. And I felt sometimes I did feel like I wasn't Latina enough or like good enough to play her, you know, but everyone comes from somewhere. Everyone has their story. And, you know, wherever you are born, if your family's from wherever they're from, that's who you are. That's a part of who you are. So like I had to learn that and I'm proud to be her voice, you know? That almost got me choked up, man, because <laughs> uh, I know what that's like, just, you know, being, I'm not, you know, my parents are immigrants too. So it's like, you know, from Mexico. So it's just such a, you do, what you did was such an important thing for us as all Latinx people. Yeah. So just thank you for doing that. And, but I got to ask one last thing. Something, something a little fun. <laughs> what is your favorite Peruvian dish to eat? This. Okay, so this is I don't, a lot of people don't know, but this dish is called ají de gallina. So it can be, it's mostly made with shredded chicken, but I think in Peru sometimes they do it with hen, which I know like a lot of like chicken soup is done or they prefer to do it with hen. But it's amazing. It's yellow. It looks disgusting, but it tastes amazing. Okay, what's yeah. the name of the dish again? Ají de gallina. I'm gonna try that. There's a there's a Peruvian place. I'm living in the Bay Area. So there's a place out there that's Peruvian. I'm going to try I'm going to ask for that. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kathleen. Thank you so much for your time and effort. Really, I can't just say it was just an absolute pleasure talking to you. Well, thank you. Bye. Okay. Adios. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uncle Dad is back with day two. A fan expo, Norla. And Mike, you're with me, but please introduce us to your super hot, sexy friend. Oh, shit. 
Yeah, today we have a special guest along for for the uh, Adventures of Fan Expo. We have a uh, Vincent Broussard from the Grammy Award winning Rebirth Brass Band. Vincent, what's happening, everybody? How does that feel to be a part of this world today? This is different from your world. No, this actually my first time actually being able to experience a Comic Con. So like it's. It's a totally new experience. Oh, man, that's it's it's fun because when it's your first Comic Con, and Mike, I'm sure you can agree, it's always such a unique feeling the first time, right? Well, my first time was a long time ago, so I kind of <laughs> don't remember. But yes, it's fun to see people who haven't been to a con and see it through their eyes for the first time, looking at all the cosplay and the costumes and the, all the fun stuff for sale. Fun stuff for sale. Fun stuff for stuff. <laughs> now, let me ask you, we talked about this off mic, but till the audience knows, you're a big anime guy. Yes, I am. What are your favorite animes? Cowboy Bebop, Samurai Champloo, more the older anime, uh, new stuff I really haven't gotten into because I just like the older stuff had like more resonance, more, more type of resonance for me. So like, yeah, let me ask you, Samurai Champloo, what was the, the thing that really made you fall in love with it? The hip hop, the hip hop aspect of cuts and the tagging in the shows and like it's for me that's just the authenticity of it the way they meld it like it's kind of it's kind of easy to separate stuff but the way they blend it's it's harder to blend to totally a japanese culture with with a hip-hop culture and make it seem natural yeah absolutely yeah it's 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 like it's 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 cool to shit to me you need to watch that mike I will watch it. Thank you. I mean, it's, it's it's always great to see how much hip hop influences other other cultures and, and how it blends in, it, into everything. You know, it's it's so cool to see how far hip hop has come. It's beyond music, right? Is it in, ingrained in pop culture so much? So I will. I hear that you're popular in Japan. Yes, my albums are the top in the top three in Japan. <laughs> yes, they're actually. If you go to Tower Records, which they, which Tower Records is still around in Japan. You can go in and buy that. You can buy it. <laughs> no, you can't. No, you can't. We have a disclaimer. You can't. All right. So let's go on. Let's go on this journey together. We've got some fun stuff planned. We're going to do some gun plot. Mike, you don't know what that is, but you're going to find out as you do, right? Guns? Plot. Plot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then we're going to hopefully interview some more artists and all that great stuff. So thank you for joining us. No problem. It's going to be such a fun experience. And let's get this party started. Am I right? Who that? All right, Uncle Dad here on the floor, live in the floor. It's busy, it's crazy, it's awesome. There's a line at the door for the one and only Jeff Brennan. Jeff Brennan, can you tell our audience who you are and what you've worked on? Okay, well, I've worked on a bunch of stuff people would know. I've worked on Extreme Ghostbusters, Courage the Cowardly Dog, Dragon Tales, Deathstroke the Terminator, the, the Expendables, Spider-Man cartoon, <laughs> X-Men cartoon. Well, the animated, the commercials for those. Simpsons comic book. It goes on and on. <laughs> oh, you are a man with quite the resume, aren't you? So I, my, one of the things I want to ask you right away is Courage the Cowardly Dog. Was there a certain, like, what was the madness behind, like, creating something that was terrifying, but yet lovable lovable for children? Well, that was that was really John Dilworth's baby. You know what I mean? I was just one of the people that helped out on it. Like, he would give us what concepts he was looking for, and we would, like, design it based on his ideas. And then he would kind of tweak it to make it fit within the show. Gotcha, gotcha. Was there ever a challenge meeting that? No, I mean, because a lot of times I would do stuff and it might not look exactly like it would fit into the show, but by the time he got his hands on it, it would kind of, you know, so yeah. And Mike, I know something caught your attention. Well, I'm a a huge Ghostbusters fan 
and I see you worked on Extreme Ghostbusters. Were you a fan of the original, and did you watch the original, the real Ghostbusters cartoon? Honestly, I'm more a fan of the movies. I'm a big uh, John Belushi. uh, Well, John Belushi was supposed to be in it, but like Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray fan and stuff. So I was more from fan of the movies, actually. And when we first started working on Extreme Ghostbusters, we didn't have model sheets. So we did use the the model sheets from real Ghostbusters. So, yeah, I wasn't really that familiar with the original cartoon. So interesting. So when you when you do all these different you know projects, is it always hard to transition from like one to the other? Yeah, I mean, they give you model sheets and stuff like that. Like you can see here, I have some model sheets. So every time you start a show, that's the first thing they do is they give you the model pack. Unless if it's something like Dragon Tales or Courage, where we had to design a lot of stuff first. And then we couldn't really start till all the designs were finalized, you know? So, yeah. Gotcha. So this is a model sheet right here. Here actually has it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And so this is what the, the, the animator would get to get the idea. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, on this one, they gave us the one from real Ghostbusters because there wasn't a model sheet for extreme Ghostbusters yet. So we were kind of working from this in the beginning. That's incredible, Mike. So as an artist yourself, what is that like to see all that? I mean, it's cool because I, I love this. The original real Ghostbusters. We didn't have a VCR. I had a tape recorder and I would put the tape recorder next to the big TV. The, you know, those old wooden TVs <laughs> that you'd put on the ground and I would record the audio and then listen to the audio of the cartoon and and star blazers too (laughs) really okay awesome awesome wow great minds think alike right exactly exactly you guys are both legends wow (laughs) all right so before we wrap up here jeff where can our audience learn more about you and connect with you well, it's uh, jeffbrennan.com. Cybergolita.com has my comic book. I've got 10 issues of that. That was the one that was on Big Bang Theory. I don't know if you're taking video, but like that's like that, that's the one right there. And actually, it's on here, too. And that's the first issue on the on the show. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, we'll definitely take some photos of that as well so the audience can see. It's Cybergirlita, L-E-E-T. It's two L's, Cybergirl, and then L-E-E-T-A, Lita.com. And it's also on Amazon. Awesome. And then what was your Instagram? Uh, my Instagram is Jeff Wildstar. Easy, easy. All right, everybody go check him out. Listen, seriously, his his work is great. And he's a part of your childhood. Celebrate your childhood. Am I right, Mike? Always celebrate childhood. <laughs> Always. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right, so we're here, Mike at the Gundam-based Mobile USA tour. Now, this is going on tour all across the U.S. It's actually a pretty big deal, Mike. I know you're not really familiar with Gunpla, but it's okay. And we're going to learn all about that. Give me one second here as we get our get our awesome goods here. Sweet. Love it. These are... Okay. Okay, awesome. Now, can I ask you... Am I able to ask you a question real quick? Is that okay? So, can you explain what... Because this gentleman here is learning about this. Can you explain to him what... Gunpla is. So Gunpla is going to be, it's a mashup of, of two words. It's Gundam plastic model kit. So yeah, it's just going to be a plastic model kit of a Gundam mobile suit. Do you know what Gundam is, Mike? I've heard of it. Can you tell them what Gundam Wing is, if you don't mind? So Gundam Wing was an anime series started in 1978, came out of Japan, and it's evolved into a bunch of different series that, are, that stream all over Crunchyroll, Hulu, all over YouTube, all kinds of stuff today. Look at that, Mike. You're learning. All right. So we're going to work on this. And if we have any questions, do we just reach out to you? Okay. Um, we got nippers there for you to use. Entry-grade kit. Two sets of runners. Two stickers on each one. Have fun. Okay. Have fun. All right. Let's do this. Okay. 
Uh, we will check in with you guys in one moment. You know, I have a fun fact about Gundam. I actually went to the uh, Gundam Cafe in Japan. So, Mike, when you go into the bathroom, you push this special button after you've done your business, and it turns on the Gundam in the bathroom. What does that mean? So, like you're in the cockpit of the Gundam after after you potty. After you shit? After you shit. Have you ever done those cafes uh, in, in Japan, Vincent? No, I have not. You got to, because they'll change your life forever. Forever. I've seen a DJ ball before, but not no cafe. Okay. You got to check out the cafes. Let's check in with Callie, because Callie's in the zone. I'm in the zone. Yeah, how many stickers you got on? Three or four? I have one sticker. One sticker, one eye. Well, it's really hard. They're so little. <laughs> they are pretty little. So as we continue our journey through this, I am kind of curious, Mike, do you find a sense of therapeutic quality of this? Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. It allows me to just think of putting this together and forget about all my real life problems in the world. Oh, okay. Is there problems in New Orleans? Problems in the world. Where are they in New Orleans? I was like, oh, man. I'm sure there are problems. There's lots of problems in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> Callie, since you are an artist as well, what is your take on all this? Oh, it's like a great puzzle. Is it more of a puzzle, you think? Yeah, it's just a little puzzle. Ah, I like that. I think it's a good way to look at it. It is like a puzzle. It's a puzzle. And then you're making a 3D model puzzle, right? Like, it's great. What I also love about this is seeing you guys all just get into it. It's so sweet. It's such a wholesome moment right now. We're all just, as humans, building robots. Think about that, Mike. We're building robots. Yes. I have always wanted to build a robot. <laughs> Every day I wake up, I wonder when I'm going to build a robot. You know, we should, we should go ask your buddy Eddie if he wants to make a robot. Yeah, that's, <laughs> we should do. We should have him at this table too, as another celebrity guest celebrity on the show today. Yeah, Eddie Furlong makes a robot. That'd be fun. <laughs> so I am the first to finish my gunpla. The person who knew, not, who knew nothing about it. The person who knew nothing about it. And the person who, someone here at this table, said I was going to be the dumb one, <laughs> not the slow one, the dumb one. I said that. <laughs> yep. And now it's on tape and everyone's going to hear it. But yes, I finished first. Me, me, me. How, 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 are, you, how are you doing over here, Seymour? I'm getting closer. My right leg is almost complete. She's getting closer. I do not understand this leg. This leg is so confusing right now. Well, look who's the dumb one now. <laughs> look who's the dumb one. All right, Mike, we're about to, we're walking to our very first ever escape room. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I've never done an escape room, so a little excited. Are you nervous? Slightly nervous. I remember my first time. Yeah. Uh, were you nervous? I was pretty nervous. I, uh... <laughs> I saw a group of people outside the escape room, and they were all wearing handcuffs. Yeah, we're not doing that one because uh, that wasn't we couldn't book it anymore. But I wanted to do that one. You, I'm sure you did want to be handcuffed to me. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm gonna say nothing. <laughs> but uh, I'm very excited to do this with you guys, Vincent. This is your first escape room ever. Yes, it is. Are you nervous? Not at all. I think 
Puzzles, though. I like puzzles. Okay, okay. I mean, I think we're going to be okay. I think Vincent's going to save us because it's a horror-themed escape room. Right, yeah, and Vincent's a deep thinker. He's a very deep thinker. He's, you know, as a musician, you must be, I feel. And he dropped his little guy. (laughs) Well, we'll be right back, everybody. And when we come back, we will talk about our experience in the Haunted Hints, what's Haunted Hints escape room. So we're here with Mike. Mike, describe our waiting room. Well, we're in a waiting room. We're in the hall, and there's drape of red skulls and the backdrop that says haunted hints and we're waiting and we should have we were supposed to be here we were supposed to go in at five and it's almost five thirty. so i'm a little confused i'm a little concerned because what if we're getting a different oh here we are right here all right uncle dad here with just mike mike say hello hi it's just mike and guess what, Mike? We just got done doing a very special, unique experience with Haunted Hints, and we are with the man behind the experience. AJ, how are you? Good. How are you guys? Terrified. Terrified? Really? <laughs> Terrified because we couldn't figure it out. Oh, <laughs> uh, I bet. <laughs> we have a hard time with equations, I think, or questions. What do you think? Well, I think we had a hard time figuring out how to unlock a lock. Yes, we had a hard time with unlocking locks. That was our thing. But is that a common, is that a common problem? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we got to get it together. Not surprised. Not surprised, yes. Uh, So, AJ, can you just tell us just a little bit about Haunted Hints and your involvement in it? Sure. Haunted Hints is a traveling escape room. We go to different conventions throughout the country. We also do special events. We go to some schools. Um, We have also done some private events. We are cater or we cater to like spooky people or people that love spooky things. We are home of the 666 games, which means all of our games are played and they have six minutes to solve six puzzles and find six missing items. You know what? I don't even think I even realized that until you just said that. That's very clever. What do you think, Mike? I, I think we don't realize a lot of things until, <laughs> until later. I, I think that's a that's a common thing. Well, I have to tell you, it's such a great... I've done a few of these traveling like escape rooms. And this, what's really cool about this is that it feels very theatrical, but in a way that's simple and smart. Was that always the intention of that? Yeah. So actually, Haunted Hints is a brand of Dulce Art Works Inc., which is a nonprofit arts and entertainment organization. My background's in theater. We also offer a theater arts academy. So that's kind of where that came from. I have a love for theater, a love for horror stuff. So that kind of, and I also do game hosting. So that's kind of where all of this came from. I love that. And I, you can see the passion in it when you're doing it. Like you can feel that it's not just a simple, oh, hey, come on in. That's it, right? There's a whole level of theatrics to it. And there should be, right? Because there's so many people who do these, I believe. And I mean, we've, we've talked about in the past that just don't do the full commitment. You have that. So you got something very special here. I appreciate that. Now, let me ask you this last question here. This is a big one. What is your favorite horror movie of all time? <sighs> Scream franchise, period. Oh, Scream franchise. In particular, Scream 2. That's a great one, right, Mike? I love the, also the Scream franchise. Scream 2 was great. Mm. Wow. Metcalf, you can't beat Laurie Metcalf. You cannot. You cannot. I love the way you think. All right. Where can our audience learn more about this and connect with the brand? They can check out our Instagrams or Facebook under at Haunted Hints. You could also check out our linktree.com forward slash Haunted Hints. And you can see where our next tour stop is. Okay. Well, you guys better check it out because it's quite the spooky experience. What do you think? Yeah, well, I'm just scared of you. But yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we got to go. All right. Thank you so much, AJ. I appreciate it. You're welcome. 
All right, everybody. Uncle Dad here with a little low-key conversation with our guest, uh, who is a Grammy award-winning artist. He is truly a class act of a man. And honestly, he's a super cool nerd as well. He likes the anime life, and that's really awesome. And I'm going to hand him to my man, give him the keys, so he can take take over right now and, and do a little interview with our guest. Mike, tell, him, tell the audience who our guest is, and I'll let you hand over. Yeah. I promise not to lose the keys or throw them in the garbage can. Yeah, so throughout the episode, we've been fortunate enough to have one of the dopest saxophone players I've ever seen, Vincent Broussard from Rebirth. And it's just been a pleasure to to go to the con with you. And, you know, I've seen you play a bunch of times and like, and, and, and see the con through your eyes. And, and being that it's in New Orleans, like, like, how do you feel? Like, is that some, is, is the Comic-Con something that you feel like fits in, into New Orleans? Or like, how does that, how does that feel for you? Because, I mean, you're of New Orleans, right? So like, what's it like to be at a con in New Orleans? It's, let me see, it's, uh, it's cool. It's like, because, I mean, let's say I live, I live down there for the most part of my life. I lived in New Orleans. And I mean, like, I'm just getting to the point in my life where it's like, I live, I stayed down there, I did Mardi Gras after Mardi Gras, jazz, fest, and everything starts, starts turning just blah, because you just get used to shit. So like, when something like that comes down there, it actually allows, it actually allows, because I mean, yeah, not everybody down here is just like supporting and drink and smoke all day. You got different types of people down there and it just allows a different outlet a lot of times for people that's just used to living to a regular regular mundane life sometimes yeah like like for you know from the outside like you see jazz fest french quarter fest the crawfish festival the fried chicken festival and you're like oh man i'm like i get so stoked to come down here because you know my my roots are from here but i've lived in california most of my life so for me to see all that stuff i get so excited but i can see when you're here it's always that like it's it's that all the time right yeah exactly it's the same i like to last year used to say it's the same same shit different day yeah yeah but okay and so so let's talk about so you're in you're in you're part of rebirth brass band which is like you know, obviously, we've said many times you're a Grammy. We just like to throw that out there, but but when and how did you get, become part of that part of that band? How I uh, I see at the time I was playing with the Little Rascals brass band and the snare drummer from the Little Rascals he switched into the Rebirth and the saxophone player with the Rebirth side of heat didn't want to play anymore and moved to Slidell. So it was like, where can we find another saxophone player? They tried another cat out. He didn't work. And eventually they called me up into that spot. Like, it's kind of like, I, I mean, I want to say like a lot of times with sax players, he's not really chosen. You, uh, you, you are needed. So like, he just, they, they needed a saxophone player and he just called me into that spot. And I've been rolling, rolling with him ever since at least at the moment <laughs> so like how how many how how many years has it been too long too long yes <laughs> i say like year year wise it's probably about like probably like 27 years 27 
Really? And so, and so you, you've seen, yeah, you've seen the many, many iterations of the band, at least five different iterations. Yeah, you see guys come and go, but like no matter what, there's the rebirth sound that is strictly to y'all that is different than any other brass band, right? Overall, overall it is, but I mean, it's what people don't, I guess what people don't really realize about a live band is the sound of the band is made up upon the players in the band. So the sound may change with the different iterations, but as long as the people playing playing the instruments actually try and adhere to what the rebirth sound is, quote, quote, then it sounds, yeah, it keeps it going, yeah. Because it is such a specific sound. Like, you know, I'll have Spotify or whatever, New Orleans, Second Line, or Jazz, Brass Bands, and when when a rebirth song comes on, you can hear it right away that it's that it's rebirth and it just has that swing that you know other other brass bands don't have. And so were you like like were you influenced like who were you influenced by mostly like growing up and, and like how what made you pick up a saxophone and start playing? Like how did how did that how did music find you? How did music find me? I just I I was born that way. Like when I started off I started playing piano. But I can recall as a child when I listened to any type of music in the car in the house, I would pay more attention to the background shit. The background, what's going on in the background in the music more than the foreground. So like that's that's how I always heard music. I I like I remember like at times when I first started playing on stages, I was more engaged into wondering how how they routed it right the sounds coming from the stage monitors more than me playing my horn into the mic. So it's like it was always like a back end thing for me. It's like I always I always as a child I always been like real inquisitive when it came to like how how to do things. And like and like I love watching like how people build houses. It's not really the action of doing it. It's it's a preparation behind that action of actually doing it. Yeah, so it's like, like, it's like, it's I am. That's why I also rebirth. I got my own stuff going on, produce, mix, master, and I'm working on a project right now on my own. I actually have like three projects in the hole right now that I'm trying to pop out. It takes time because when you do everything yourself, it's a lot longer than doing with label. You got somebody else doing different things for you, but. But I don't mind that because music is a part of my anatomy, I guess you could say. Yeah, I would say so. Like, okay, so when you when you're playing rebirth songs, those songs are those songs are already written, and so you're just you know interpreting. I'm re I'm constantly re. It's like it's kind of like I right, this thing about it with rebirth. Every time we could play, let's say you take a feel like funking it up with any live band, right? But a lot of bands when they every time they play, if they let's say another band tries to play, feel like fucking up, they try to play it the same way every time. When we play it, it's a different song every time, depending upon how I feel. I'm feeling at the time how the trombone player, the trombone player, the trombone player may be depressed. I may be up. The trumpet players may not even feel like playing the damn horns. 
So when we play it, it's a different, it's the same notes, but the, but the emotions, the emotion going into that action is different. So it's like, that's why they, like they say all the time at the show, every rebirth show is a different show. Yeah. And like, that's, that's kind of like New Orleans jazz in, in, in general, right? It's, it's, it's open. There's a swing to it. There's, there's, there's the structure you know, which was di- which makes it different than jazz from other places. You know, like Chicago jazz, New York jazz. It's a very structured, very syncopated. It is what it is, and you know you're going to hear the same thing. Where with New Orleans, it's no, what's young? Yeah, it's. I say like I like to say I got a saying when it comes to rebirth. Rebirth is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. And I love it, and 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 that's part of what you know make what makes New Orleans so great. So so each time you play. You have you have the song, but you you are able to put your own part into it. No, I mean I might I might stick to the original part. I might ad lib on the part. I might choose to even flip the part. But that's all that is like dependent upon, like dependent upon how I'm feeling at that time. If 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 the drums are grooving a different way on it, and I, I don't feel it. If it's a straight line and the drums are flipping the groove on it, then I might flip that line on that part at that point in time. But the overall, the big picture of it, it's still, it's still what it is. Yeah, as as a spectator, it's so fun to to see you guys at different shows and to see how how it comes out different. Like we we saw you a couple of months ago in San Francisco, and I gotta I don't know how you guys felt, but. As a spectator, I felt like that was one of the best shows I've seen you guys do. You're at the Independent. It was the second night uh, you guys being there sold out. And and you guys killed it. And it's just so fun. And you guys look like you're having fun. You know, you can watch you guys communicating, laughing at each other. And yeah, it's just so great. It's great to see. And and so so tell me real quick. Okay, so that's Rebirth. What's the stuff that you're doing that's your own? You know, like, and... Is that something that's going to come out for people to hear? Or tell me a little bit about that. All right. As far as my own stuff, my own silo hustle. I'm going to call it a hustle because I'm not making money off it. So it's not a hustle. <laughs> but uh, it's, I go under Slow Drag Productions and I have basically what happened is when the pandemic hit, I had time on my hands because we couldn't gig. So I just went back through. I had like buku. Buku is French. That's how we talk down there, Buku. It means a lot. <laughs> Wait, Buku is French? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like I, I had like Buku just old tracks that I did from way back in the day, but they were all stereo tracks. I just went to retrack and everything, and it got to a point. There's this one project I did a long time ago that I lost all my sessions to. So I just went, instead of me putting out some new shit and let the, the old stuff sit, I just went back to the old stuff and just retweaked it all and just basically I remixed my old stuff basically. And it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, I felt like I had, it's like, it's like a, it's like a, an open relationship. I had to, I need to close this relationship first for my old stuff. If I could actually move on to to my new, new stuff. And it's just, it's, it's a lot of different, different things going on with it. And it's like, it's, and I'm pushing to put it out whenever it gets ready to come out. So it'll come. It'll come when it's ready to come. Yeah, 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 definitely. That's that's usually how it works, right? When it's ready to come, it'll come. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, so Mardi Gras is about to come up. We'll wrap up here. Mardi Gras is about to come up. You've been down in New Orleans. I mean, you, you've done Mardi Gras after Mardi Gras. Do you still get excited for that? Or are you just like, here we go? All the tourists, all the people, uh, you know, you're going to do this thing, that thing. It's a mess. Everyone's getting messed up, fucked up. Or do you still have like the excitement for for Carnival? Uh, carnival is like a mixed bag for me. Is Carnival is like it's just another year, the same thing. The only thing that really gets me that I never really liked about Carnival is you got an extra addition to the population down there. So if you do, if we did have a play a gig and went, instead of me having to park five minutes from a gig, I got park fifteen minutes from a gig. <laughs> But uh, I mean, it's just, I mean, Carnival, I just, I just never really, at this point in time in my life, I could really care less about the parade. But for the people who want to come down, come on down and enjoy yourselves. I mean, hey, hey, it's all good. It's all good. You've seen many parades. Yeah. And so that, that's the thing. Like, I remember parades from my childhood. And so when I come down here, I get excited because it's this very nostalgic thing that I remember when I first moved away from Louisiana, I moved to South Carolina. And when Mardi Gras time came, there was no king cakes in the store. There was no, like, there was nothing. And I could not comprehend that there was not a Mardi Gras at all. You know, and I, I grew up most in Lafayette, right? So, so, so to come down here and, and experience it when, it when you don't have it, it's so exciting. But I could see year after year, you being here, like, the, the, the majesticness of it kind of wears away, right? Yes, it does. Yeah. I mean, but I'm just one person. Uh, well, <laughs> well, that's, yes, you're a hell of a person. So where, okay, so to our listeners, where where can, if people want to see Rebirth, where do they see you guys? Well, right, Rebirth. Let's see. We have a standing Tuesday night every day of the year in the city of New Orleans at a, at a spot called the Rabbit Hole. Right, right on the the Castle Haley. I mean, we the only time we're not going to be there is if we're on the road on the Tuesday. But if we in town on the Tuesday, we're going to be there. Time to time, you can catch us at like a House of Blues, Tipitina's, Holland Wolf. Uh, hell, you might be able to catch us at a bar miss for a wedding reception if if the money get bad enough. An inauguration, maybe. Uh, maybe, maybe an inauguration too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, other than that, just. Out of town, just check the website out, rebirthbrassband.com, and we travel all around the country. From time to time, you get actually get out the country, too. So, I mean, like, just 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 pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. Yeah, you keep your passport up to date, right? Actually, my passport is expired right uh-oh, now. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> well, yes. I need, I need to get, actually, I need to get, get a new passport right now. There you go. Oh, I'm well, going out of town right now, so I already need it right now. <laughs> well, like I mentioned, we saw you guys uh, at the Independent in San Francisco. Yeah, you guys get around, and man, I just love to see you, love to see you being successful, and you're, you're a champion for rolling with us today and, and doing all the things, and it's just it's an honor to to be friends with you and and I appreciate all the all of you that you extend out and oh yeah I like, I like to believe that moments lead to experiences and if you don't take the time out to actually appreciate the moment in that given point in time then you miss a whole you miss a whole end game of it all so yeah I appreciate y'all for 
I appreciate y'all for inviting me out and allowing me to hang out with y'all. I really do. There it is. Very sweet. Um, and then I think Uncle Dad wants to say something. He is, he is over here. Now you don't want to talk. Now you don't want to talk. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about Samurai Champloo and you talk about the hip hop influences. So what I want to know, what are your top three hip hop artists? Top three. Oh, all right. Hip hop, hip hop, hip hop. All right, we gotta go with Tupac. And with some southern stuff, we gotta be like a Scarface. Uh, I say East Coast. One more. All right, I, I did use my two already. All right, what's <laughs> what's my third? My third would be fuck it, Nas. Nas. Oh. Yeah. Honestly, I think Nas, in my opinion, is. I know he goes through a lot of bad rap nowadays, but I feel like he was seriously, when he was coming up, he was one of the best rappers, period. He was on it, 100%. Illmatic is one of the greatest albums ever. Now, what is your favorite Nas song? The World Is Yours. You can't go wrong with that song. You really can't. And uh, Mike, I just want to have you chime in. Your favorite Nas song. I don't remember the name of it, but it's the one where he says, I never sleep because sleep is the cousin of death. That beat is so hard, and the way that he comes in it, it's so hard. And you know, he just released a new album. Really? No, I did. Yeah, we listened to it. He opens up the first song talking about being in his forties and feeling like he's the Dalai Lama or some some shit. But you know, here's the thing. So like Outcast, Outcast hands down is my favorite. My Outcast is my favorite, and. I'm sad because, you know, Andre 3000 said he doesn't rap because he has nothing to talk about, you know, and I would, but I would love to hear his perspective at this point in his life, watching all that's changed and just who he is as a creative person to hear him flow now, because it was cool hearing not like Nas now he's old, older, talk about what it's like. And, you know, and, and I feel like Andre is such a, creative genius no, I, I would think, love I think, to. I think with I think with three stacks it's more that you got no, you got realize, three stacks is like it's kind of like looking at a at a prince it's, it's like if you saw ahead of your time what, what what's going on he's just not really doing anything now MC wise because it's like I mean he says like I, I don't have anything to see it's not that he can't write he can write anytime he wants. That's that's his, he's just it's not like it's, it's it's more like he's choosing not to write and he's choosing not to rap because he wants to try something else here. So it's it's me. I like I listened to the last. I love it. I love that the flu album. Yeah, the, the flu. I, I love that. Like great. yeah. I, 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 when I want to go to sleep, I, sure. I I put on the first one. By the time the second one come on, I'm out. I mean, like I'm just listening to everything in my in my sleep and like it's like it's like sometimes it's it's a choice and like he's it's, it's like <clears throat> like it, it, like as an artist it gets to a point in the artist's life where it's like do am I going to choose to do what other people want me to do or am I going to do what I choose to do <laughs> and besides three stacks he has enough music for everybody in the world he really doesn't need to do anything else 
Yeah, I love that you're saying that because there's an artist that I want to compare it to. Is so I'm a huge fan of Daft Punk. We all know Daft Punk, and Daft Punk they broke up a while ago because they're not going to do music together. Well, instead of Thomas Fangalter, one and a half, he didn't want to make another you know DJ album, so he made an entire like an old school orchestrated like an orchestra album, and it's incredible. But the thing is, it's kind of to your point. He feels like he can't DJ about he can't make anything new for DJing because it's like, what else can you do, right? And it's the same thing with the concept of Andre 2000. It's like, he kind of has a good point. Like, he has so much out there already. Why not create a new sound that can create even a new audience of people, right? Like, it's it's kind of genius in some respects. It's kind of like, I like to say that, once I've seen, uh, read this many places, it's like, the purpose of an artist is to inspire and and then they, if you're an artist and it may be a, I told you, I told you, I, I was telling you this earlier at the table. It was like, if you produce, if you, you could be an MC musician, you could be a graphic artist, whatever it is, that product that you make as an artist is not the output, it's the input. It's the, it's the fans, the people that choose to accept it, that's the output. And uh, you had to say in a def- totally different way. I told you, and then I told you a different way. It's not the artist that makes the art. It's a person that sees that product and calls it art. So, I mean, like once you put it out into the world, you have no control of it. It's kind of like a child. You have a child. Once once a child is born, yeah, you may, you can control that child to a certain point. But once you get a certain point, he gone. You could try and steer him with it where, where if you think it's better for him, but if he, if he sees somewhere better to go off of your, away from you, from, from you saying, that's what he's going to do. You can't control it. Like, being able to understand in life that you can't control everything. And what, everything gets to a point where you can't control it anymore. Yeah. And, like, you just got to put it out there and hope it, hope it goes where it needs to go. That is a great way to end this. Because it is about where it goes, right? So, Mike, great job. High five. <laughs> Thank you so much, Vincent, for being a part of the show. We really appreciate it. And, uh, Mike, you have something to say? Yeah, I have one last question, Vincent, is, Will, what would it take to infiltrate you to convince Reber to do a cover of, speaking of outcasts, of Spotty Adi Dopelosius? Spotty? Yeah. I know everyone in the on Frenchman Street covers it all the time, but I, what what about a rebirth cover? A whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll, 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 I love I love that I love that shit. Dude. It's one of my top three favorite songs. Well, if there's ever a opportunity, uh, let me know and I'll put some extra dough in the tip jar. I got you. I got you. <laughs> Vincent, thanks so much. Thank you again. And you know what I'm gonna do? We're gonna hear that song right. Now. All right, everybody. Have a great night. Thank you, Vincent. Peace.